John calls me, hey, I'm going to Seattle. Come and preach. Can't refuse the invitation. So this morning, I was, I was thinking about what I will preach. I'm going to open with this video. Now, the, 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 um, the resolution's not that good. We, we didn't have high definition. And this is, uh, I, let me uh, give you the setting. Um, this video is in October uh, 3rd of 1997. This is in Kona, Hawaii, the big island. Uh, the reason why I remember this video is because we were actually there. Now, we didn't witness this, but we heard about it afterwards. And we were on the island that same day. We were spending a week there. Um, the temperature during that day was in the, between 80 and 90 degrees. Can you imagine? The humidity is about 90%. Okay. It was a hot day. Okay. And the contest, if, if you know, is called the World Championships of the Ironman. The Ironman is one of the most difficult races in the world to conquer. It consists, number one, of a open water swim in the salt water in the ocean, 2.4 miles, all right? Followed by a bike ride, a road bike, and that's about, depending on the, the time on the structure, but during that October 3rd, it was a 121 mile bike ride, okay? And we're not talking about a flat road, it's going up and coming down. And followed that, is a full marathon, 26 miles of running. This race is putting the limits of human physiology, exercise physiology, at the edge. The two contestants that you're going to see here, they're not even contesting first place. Okay, and one of the contestants, by the name of Wendy Ingraham, she's actually a local. She lives up here in um, Walnut Creek. She was expected to win this championship in the women's division. So let me show you the video while I move this pulpit down. Her body has run out of fuel. No calories to burn. Systems shutting down. The legs are there, you just can't feel them. The eyes still see, but through a gauzy veil of delirium. At this point, Sean Welch is aware of two things. finish line is so close and someone is so close behind. After more than 140 miles, it's come down to less than 100 feet to that damn line.
just yards behind. Her stalker appears. It's Wendy Ingram. Spirit held firm. Welch and Ingram crawling in the dramatic spirit of Julie Moss. In a battle for fourth place. Is the difference between fourth and fifth place to these two on this day it meant everything this is one of the most inspiring videos I have ever seen I don't know if you've caught the struggle there but they weren't going after first place And you could see on the interview after the race, they were asking Wendy Ingraham what happened. Well, she said at about mile six of the marathon, she lost her salt tabs. So one of the keys about this race in is the Ironman is you're constantly moving, you're burning. Um, for the entire race, you're probably burning something between 15 and 20,000 calories. So they have to continually hydrate themselves and eat during the race so that they'll have fuel. And you could see that at the close to the end of the race, you know, uh, and, and some of you who are athletes out there, you know, when you hit that wall where you can't do anything, the muscles, the body just shut down. Lactic acid is so high that all the, the enzyme systems of our body just don't work. Muscles just... And as you can see, there was so much determination that they, uh, they were crawling to the finish line for fourth place. And uh, when asked, like, when asked uh, Wendy Ingraham said, well, why don't you just quit? He said, I do not want to be in the DNF list, the did not finish list. 
It was a remarkable day. I mean, I remember my emotion looking at that video and going, my goodness. If I can even just capture, you know, 10% of that determination, that's how I would live my life. Truly amazing. The reason why I brought that video is because I wanted to talk about our key text. Please open your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy 4 7. 2 Timothy 4 7. Before we uh, go into the Bible, let me ask and invite everybody to pray as we study the word. Father in heaven, once again we invite your presence as we delve into the words that um, Paul, your servant, gave to us a long time ago. We pray that we get a new perspective and open our minds especially in this point of history of where we are and where we're going. Give us discernment, give us ears. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so uh, first Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 4.7. I'll be reading from the uh, New International Version. 2 Timothy 4.7. It reads, the Bible says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. This is actually a pretty bold statement. You know, um, the reason why I chose this topic is because, you know, we are... Uh, currently, we're December 28th. Well, this is the last Sabbath of 2019. This is also the last Sabbath of the decade. Come Wednesday next week, it'll be a start of a new year and a start of a new decade. And for historians, you know, we classify each decade differently, right? What do we call the 70s? That was during the Vietnam War, right? It was the turbulent 70s, you call it. What do we call the 80s? The time of Reagan. It was a time of excess. Economically, America was doing really well. What do we call the 90s? Anybody? Huh? Well, do you remember the, the one of the most significant things that happened during the 70s was what? Uh, the Clintons were at the White House, right? Right? And we, had, we had an impeachment trial, right? That, that kind of defined the decade. The, s the next decade after that, 2000, was what? Number one, there was a war, right? An unfinished war. And we also had a, the Great Recession. 
our last decade, 2010 to 2019, is defined as what? The recovery. So every decade has its name, Roaring Twenties, the Civil Rights Sixties, World War II in the Forties. It's easy to look back, and it's appropriately so uh, for all of us because at the close of the year, right, what do we normally do? As that song says, old Lang Syne, we knew acquaintances, remember the folks of the past, we look back, we take stock. Let me ask you this, when we look back, the question that I always ask, what has God done with our lives, right? We can only see backwards what God has done to our lives. We can't see forward. We live in the present. But we can truly never know what God has done for our lives. And you, you can think, every one of us has a different path. And you look back, wow, I'm still here. Some of us have lost loved ones along the way. Some of us us have gone through financial ruin, bankruptcy, some of our relationships destroyed, some have experienced debilitating diseases, some recovered, some have not, some have perished. But if you look back in each of our lives, you ask in here, what has God done for us? Was he a good God or otherwise? Well, this letter that Paul wrote to a young Timothy, um, this is at the end of his ministry. Paul, a Roman citizen, was going to be tried. And he knows that the outcome of the trial was gonna, not going to be in his favor. And that the sentence was going to be what? Death. So he is leaving some important, you know, at the end of our lives, we say the most important things and not waste any words. And this is one of his most important ones. The verse before that and the verse after that comes together. But this one I honed in because appropriate for the time that we're spending here at this Sabbath at this particular time in history. Does everybody agree that we are at the end of times? Jesus may come tomorrow. We don't know the day or the hour, but we know we are close. So the purpose of my sermon this morning is not just to look back and say, yes, God has been good to us. God has blessed us, whatever that blessing may be. 
but also to look forward. Some of us here in this church may actually see Jesus comes. I believe that. My grandfather, you know, he died. He was 92 uh, back in the 80s. I remember before I got baptized. Um, he said, you know, Jesus is coming soon. And we thought, oh, when is he going to come? Year 2000. That was the year that he was going to come. My grandmother, she's always praying for us. Jesus is coming soon. Remain faithful. Pray. Well, it's 2019. I still remember Benji Maxson saying, you know, um, after he retired from being the principal of my daughter's school at Central Valley Christian Academy, he said, you know what? We might not have next year. Jesus may come. But the statement that Paul is, 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 is saying, it's, it's to me an, an amazing statement in that, let me, let me, let me, let me go, go and, and expound on this. Paul knew that Jesus will not come during his lifetime or anywhere close to the lifetime. Did, did Paul know the prophecy? Daniel Daniel's prophecy? You bet. He, he was just beginning uh, in some of his letters, I think it's in either uh, Philippians or Colossians, where he was describing that the man of transgression, the man of sin, was starting to come. Okay? So he knew kind of where his place is. He was in the Roman times. He, know, he knew in the prophecy of Daniel that he was in the age of iron, that he wasn't quite at the feet yet. What about us? We're looking back now, and we're seeing that we are, I would submit to you, we are the toes. We're very close. So part of Paul's message here is for us very much relevant today when he left this letter to Timothy. He said, I have fought the good fight. Now some translations say I, I, I fought a good fight. But really it's the fight. What's the fight all about? What is the fight all about? There's only two sides. Um, those of you who know me, um, I love movies. Um, uh, I, I grew up in in the 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 movie of the sci-fi. I love science fiction, and you know I love Star Wars. I, I used to have little figures, you know. 
I, I think there was a quote in the movie, what fight are you talking about? And the answer was, the fight. The battle between good and evil. The battle between Jesus and Satan. The battle between the lamb and the dragon. We are simply participants in that battle. All of us, whether we like it or not. And Paul here is, is very intentional when he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the fight. So in one side, it's a corporeal as a church that we are battling humanity, humanity's stake. But Paul here, he said, I, how many times? He said it three times. I mean, you can, you can insert a word there that says, we have fought the fight, we have finished the race, we have kept the faith. What's the difference? The point that Paul is trying to make is that in matters of faith, in matters of faith, I cannot run my wife's race. Faith is personal, individual. We, each one and every one of us, are fighting and running a race. The course may be a little different, but the boundaries are the same. The object of the race is the same. And so nobody Nobody else, whether we're a child or the elderly or in the middle, nobody is running the race for us. We, each one of us, are running the race. Turn to Ephesians. Ephesians 6.12. Ephesians 6.12. The Bible says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You see, all these forces that we're battling against, we're battling against the struggle is in our minds. The battles is for the choices that we make. Individually. And therefore, becomes a matter of faith. Have you ever tried making a decision without faith? It's very easy, right? Go to a store, choose a 
choose a food, ordering the menu, right? It's very easy to make choices. Have you ever asked yourselves, hey, you know, is this good for me? Is this what is best? Right? Where's, where's, where's faith in that question? I submit to you that the, 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 when we ask those questions, the faith is in what? Ourselves. Right? We have been brought to be brought up to be self-sufficient. We decide our own fate, right? For Christians, it's a little different, you see. Paul, in his, in his looking back in his life, and, and by the way, what did Paul do in his life? If you remember his history, was he a Jew? Yes. Did he um, kill Christians? Yes. <laughs> Before he met Jesus in the road to Damascus, Paul was on the enemy's side. And coming to the end of his life, I mean, he is bold enough to say, I have finished, I have kept the faith. You know, one of the things that, that we as, as human beings um, struggle with on a daily basis, you and I, is that sometimes, maybe 90% of the time, we rely on what? ourselves. I'm guilty as much as you when we make decisions, minor, major decisions, right? That is the gift that God, when he created human beings, he gave to us. We can make choices. But in in this Ephesians 6.12, you see there is an internal struggle in our minds Two powers that are vying for what choices we make. I've often wondered why Jesus prayed a lot. In his humanity, he was tempted the, the way we are. And I can tell you that one of the struggles that we as human beings have is to say no or, or yes against temptation, isn't it? We're tempted constantly. And Jesus, by praying, was denying that temptation. That's part of it. When we spend time in prayer, we're denying to give in to temptation. Now, was Paul very selfish when he said, I, ha I have fought the fight, I have run the race, I have kept the faith? Is that kind of a selfish statement? It's all me. 
I don't think it was. I don't think it is. Because when he said this, if you look at the text before and the text after, this is a man who had absolute faith in what he was saying. There was no doubt. And that faith at his point in his life is what we call the perfect faith. Now sometimes do I doubt, you know, um, we, you know we, we have faith and doubt comes in and say, dear God, uh, am I really saved? Um, am I going to make it to heaven? When I look at my life, Does it, is it good enough? Is it worthy? You see, in this, in this race, in this fight, we have to look beyond ourselves and kind of say, hey, you know, uh, we're fighting for something, we're racing for something, what is that? What is the object of the race? Are we just fighting for ourselves? Or are we fighting for something else? Let's look at Acts 20, verse 4. Acts 20, verse 4. 24, I'm sorry. Acts 20, 24. This is Paul again. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. What is that task? The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I think I if you look back in Matthew 25, I think it's verse 28, that's what Jesus said, right? Go into the world baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you always. The mission of the church has not changed. Individually, we have not changed. We are still participating in that mission. We can see it in our statement, in our Parkwood statement, right? To reveal Jesus Christ to our neighbors. So we're fighting the struggle between good and evil, participants in the great controversy, where the object is to be, to tell the good news, to be witnesses. Now, um, you know, if you read in, um, if you were in a court of law, do you, got, do you know what is, why witnesses are important? 
the truth. See, the witnesses in our court of law, witnesses, uh, they don't get paid. Sometimes they go to court at great expense, at great inconvenience, and sometimes under threat. But guess what? Witnesses are there to, re to reveal the truth of what happened. They assist the court in keeping or maintaining the truth. That's what we are. We are all inheriting this good news. The object of the race is to reveal the good news. Is our objective to convince people, to convict people of the truth? Uh-oh. That's somebody else's job. Our job is to reveal Jesus, to tell, to say, to act, to share. And let the Holy Spirit take over. We, we're not so powerless, you see. I mean, by human hands, um, you know, what did the Bible say? There, that the work is tremendous and the workers are few. We cannot, you know, um, let's see. There, there is currently 7.7 .7 billion people in this planet. Um, even our church uh, doesn't have access to all the countries of the world. We do have access to everybody by radio, maybe by internet. Okay, but how can you possibly, in physical terms, get the message to everybody? Right? That's the mission, isn't it? So we're fighting a good fight. We're running the race, each and every one of us in our own. When we look back on our lives, have we kept the faith? Are we keeping the faith? Are we going to keep the faith? There's a, um, a quote here. Um, I think we talked about this in the lesson this morning, too, about... You know, we pray for something, but if we don't do anything on our part, it may not happen. And so we say, God didn't answer the prayer. Faith, uh, the quote goes, faith without trouble or fighting is a suspicious faith. For true faith is a faith wrestling and fighting. One of the things that, that my, my fear in my life is that um, I consider myself fairly successful from a societal standpoint. 
but you know I'm afraid that the rug will be pulled under me. Success blinds me to the things that are spiritual, that are divine. And I'm afraid to lose that connection. Success and, and wealth and riches and all that stuff, you know, they, they add to the illusion that I'm self-sufficient. And that's, you know, I think Joe said, said this, right? We should be more afraid of success than of failure because we lose sight of what's important. So in this race, if you're not wrestling, questioning, struggling, holding it together, having doubts, asking God, you're on the right course. Every one of us has that struggle. I mean, many, many years now since my grandfather and my grandmother told me Jesus is coming soon. It's 2019. When is he going to come? Isn't it ripe? for the coming of Jesus Christ today? It's hard. Humanity, you know, you can torture a human being and at some point they'll break. We're, we're, we're at that time, you know, we, uh, uh, you can travel the world now um, into airplane flights uh, I can text somebody in the other side of the world instantly. Uh, I have access to media like you would not know it. I can know exactly what's happening in New York, what the weather is now, right now. We have cured diseases in the 20th and the 21st century that would have killed people not 50 years ago. We have all this technology one of the things that, that bothered me the other day, I, I was walking from Ripon, downtown Ripon, to my house. I passed by a restaurant, and there was uh, this Burgess Baking Company on the right side. I was on the sidewalk. And there was a bunch of high school students buying their lunches. It was lunchtime. And guess what? It was so quiet. I was telling my wife about it. These guys are all spending their time like this. There was no conversation. It was amazing. I was like, wow, this is, these are all teenagers and they're all quiet. They're all texting. Texting probably across the table. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the technology today, you, you know, we have enough weapons in this world to destroy our world a hundred times over. We have biological weapons that could wipe every living thing in this earth. And we're, we're culturing them. We're developing them. As of now, America as a nation is the wealthiest nation that has ever been. I mean, uh, I mean economically, if you look at our economics today, uh, we are really in a very good economic footing. Our employment rate is, what, 3.5%? Wages are starting to rise. We are 
on the top of the world. But at the same time, I'm disturbed when I read articles that says that we are losing members at a rate of about 40% a year. People are leaving churches in droves. You can see it in our church here. It's not just the Seventh-day Adventist church that's struggling with this. Everybody else is. And we're not just talking about Christianity either. So what is my point? If you look at this verse, this is a human being, Paul, saying this. There's another statement. If you look in uh, Matthew 25, 21. Matthew 25 is all about the second coming, the disciples were asking, when are you going to come? When will these things be? When will the second coming be? Let's go there. Matthew 25, 21. This is in Jesus' wor words now. Okay, the equivalent to this message from the side of Jesus. In 21, it says, His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. The reason why I contrast this verse with what Paul is saying is that Paul had an incredible amount of faith and confidence that he was able to say, I've done it. I've earned the what? I've earned the crown of life. I'm going to die, but I have earned the crown of life. He, was, he had that much faith. You and I, I don't think we're there yet. At least I'm not. How I long to hear these words as an affirmation from the one who is the object of our faith. Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm unworthy enough to say, hey, please, give me a clue of how am I doing. And I would love to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. I can't say what Paul said. I have fought the fight. I have ran the race. I have kept the faith. But you see, we are all growing from children to the elderly, we're still growing. 
in each of our stage, we, we somehow get ripe and we move on to the next stage. And as we meditate, as we study, as we pray, that faith becomes perfected on a daily basis. So what can I tell you about this phrase, this text? It's all about hanging on to not give up to be on that do not finish list. How can we be successful, victorious in our fight today and onward for the end of the year and for the coming future? There are simple things we can do. We never give up on studying the Bible. Uh, There are several texts I want to leave with you. Let's do Exodus 14, 4. Exodus 14, 14. In this fight that we're going through, in the fight that we're going through, Always and always remember, the Bible says the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. If you look at Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 3, 22, Deuteronomy 3, 22, the Bible says, do not be afraid of them. The Lord, your God himself, will fight for you. You see, in this fight, though we may feel it, though I feel it, we are not alone. God fights the battles for us. When you study the Bible, it's full of examples. You can go to Deuteronomy, same, same book, and go to chapter 20, verse 4. Go ahead, read it aloud. Somebody's found it. Deuteronomy. Twenty, verse four. For your God, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. We are never alone. The worst thing that can happen in a fight is to feel alone. You can ask a boxer, you can ask uh, an athlete. That's why families are there at the stadium. That's why there's, there's coaches or there's partners or there's whatever. 
when they do not feel alone, they fight better, they race better, they do better. So same thing with us. We are not alone. The second tips, as we say, for how to be successful in Detroit is to pray. We are having a 10 days of prayer starting early January. Right? What do we pray for? We pray for help. I mean, human beings, have you ever refused when somebody says, help me? Pretty rare. How much else, God, when he hears our prayer, help me? Go to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Some, some, some of your, the versions say the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy set before me, before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The finish line, you guys, is Jesus. The story of Peter, remember when he got off the boat and he took his eyes off Jesus, is an object lesson of our race. Our world today has a million distractions. Media, television. I have about access to about 20,000 songs in here if I wanted to. We can watch 10 channels of sports if we wanted to. There's so many distractions. But fixing our eyes on Jesus at the finish line. And the third, the third tip and this is where the rubber meets, meets the road. And we talked about this in lesson this morning, about how we can pray. But you see, God works through humanity. Human beings and the divine are partners. Go look at Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse 45. Matthew 24, verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, Jesus is saying? This is, is saying in a parable. Whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household 
to give them their food at proper time, he's asking the question, who is this faithful and wise servant? The answer, it will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. The word and the operative word there is doing. Doing what? Doing the fight. Doing the race. Racing. The objective to spread the gospel news. To finish the race. Whatever it is that each and every one of us has. I'm not good at preaching. Um, I'm not trained to be a preacher. I do a lot of lectures, so my preaching sounds like a lecture. Some of you are good at praying. Some of us are good at singing. Some of us are, are good at witnessing. Some contributes, whether that be effort or money or time, whatever it is. Some are good at welcoming. But whatever talent it is, the cause is one and the same. We're just little cogs in the wheel, the machinery of spreading the gospel, the good news. What is that? Jesus died for all of us. Believe in him and we will be saved. That is our witness. We say that over and over and over again to each of our neighbor close by. That multiplies. They say that faith without works is dead. I think that's in James. At the close of our race, as we fight this cosmic battle that we are involved in, I would like to see that all of us are doing when Jesus finally comes. That may be tomorrow, that may be next week, that may be next year. We don't know. But we can't be idle. We must be doing. And the perseverance that inspires me is that race that we just saw earlier. We're not racing to be first place or second place or even third place or even fourth place or fifth place. We're racing to finish. And from, my, from myself, I, I can see that finish line. My prayer is that I will not taste death. It may come. But we are at the point of history, the significance of which we all know where the prophecy lies. And our faith, I'm afraid, at this point in time, we are going to be the people that are going to be tested most. 
but we study the word. We fix our eyes on Jesus no matter what and do his work. Then we can claim, I have fought the fight. I have ran the course. I have kept the faith. Let's pray. Father in heaven, send your Holy Spirit to us. We can't do the things that the mission is required of us. But we claim that promise not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. Bring everybody to their homes, safe and sound, for the new year to come. And may I pray prosperity and peace and joy to all our church family, not just here, but through all the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.